0: I hate this town, I hate this fucking town I don't even want to be in this town I know to leave this town going not take this town, I do You know this town must be run its This fucking town, we can leave this town walking on the grass and I've never seen this town She's got dreams too big for this town
1: Hello, and welcome to Gotta Play Really Soft and Then Really Loud, a dwelling post rock review podcast. This week, we take a look at Mogwais As the Love Continues and Godspeed You Black Emperor Godspeed at State's End. We didn't include the new God is an Astronaut record, because who even is listening to them in 2021? I'm, as always, Elaine, and with me, one other person.
2: It turns out that if you get rid of Adam, only Flesher remains.
1: Yep. Also, we are... We are sadly, I i don't know, I made an unfunny joke. We are sadly talking about Goldfinger today, not about all of the good records that released this month. But if you do want to occasionally hear us do that, write in. Yeah, do not send us money. If you want to send us cookies, that's okay. Hmm. Uh, we're, we're still, I, I am still shaken by what happened last week. I am still... Yeah. Uh. Yeah, the new Mogwai record is quite good, which is surprising because Mogwai in the last couple of years tended to do like okay records like Mogwai does Mogwai but the new one is pretty cool also debuted like first on the charts in the UK which is impressive for like something that is very much not commercial music
2: speaking of aggressively non-commercial music this week we're covering Goldfinger's Open Your Eyes
1: yeah this is Goldfinger this is do you remember Goldfinger
2: Yes, much like Macross, I remember Goldfinger, Love, and also that time at Bandcamp.
1: Yeah, so today we're talking about Open Your Eyes, their two thousand and two record. And um talked about Goldfinger in the past, and I always forget to note down which episode it is to make it easier for the listener to find out the history of Goldfinger, which we thoroughly covered in the past. So I'm taking while I click through our episodes to find the actual episode in which we talked about the band known as Goldfinger. It was episode 8, where we covered stomping ground. If you want to listen to our previous episode in the saga, go listen to episode 8, where we cover all of the history of Goldfinger up to the two thousand or nineteen ninety nine, the two thousand up to the two thousand. We take Goldfinger into the new century and beyond. We buy your Goldfingers for money. I don't know
2: cash for Goldfinger. Got too many fingers. Need more cash. Call Cash Goldfinger.
1: I don't know. I am. Uh, I. I. I am tired this week. They're, this album is like seventeen tracks, and they're all very much not interesting. <laughs> Some
2: of them are just weird interstitial uh, guitar noodling.
1: Yeah, and some of them are like prank phone calls. We love those. Oh god, yeah, that that was a thing. (sighs) Well, do we want to go to the obligatory? Because there is a surprise obligatory this week. There wasn't one last time we covered Goldfinger, but now I wrote an obligatory in.
2: It turns out that we have to talk about the thing that is pretty terrible about a band. About your band. Your band is terrible because you keep trying to use trans people as a punchline in the most slur way possible. Gotta love it. No,
1: you don't. Yeah, so Go- Goldfinger did not have an obligatory last episode. We covered them when they do now. Like, this is their second record. Like, we, I, I give a one-record transphobia pass to every band, as long as it's, like, in the 2000s period, well, I guess, you know, people hated us in the 2000s, that's fine, but, like, if you have two records in a row, when you use trans people as a punchline, and you start getting into slurs, um, fuck you! Like, I don't I don't have any actual power to cancel you because I only have 500 followers on Twitter. And, like, about half of them are people who are not on Twitter anymore. So my social reach is very low. But I'm going to at least have an obligatory about you and being like, you suck. And you, you suck. Fuck you, Goldfinger. Now you get an obligatory. You know what you did. They do. And we don't have to cover
2: them again after this. So if they keep it up, eh, not our problem.
1: Well, they don't. I had to listen to everything they did afterwards, and there is not that shit anymore. But still, you've you've had it on two records, and you are not on record in any kind of way talking about, you know, trans people in the present. So, I don't know. You could could have changed your mind on this, or you could still be a transphobic piece of shit. We don't know. You know, while in doubt, let's cancel Goldfinger. Hashtag cancelled Goldfinger. You're just on a cancel crusade this week. I, I'm gonna cancel everything. Fuck it. <sighs> We're gonna use the this word of cancellation against all evils in the world because we know that that is an extremely effective weapon and people who get canceled don't just keep their job and continue their life as if nothing happens while gaining additional revenue from crying about it that they have been canceled. Hey, Ellie, I have a terrible
2: question for you. What? Who's the Nick Robinson of pop punk?
1: (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Here's the difference.
2: Most of pop punk has actual lawsuits involved.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Fuck Nick Robinson and fuck the McElroy's. Let's talk about what happened between Stomping Ground and this record.
2: left off with Goldfinger in the year 2000, coming out of Stomping Ground, their last album, with a couple of well-performing singles and a massive boost in popularity due to this fresh young game called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. After the success of said album and the international success of their cover of 99 Balloons. Pretty good cover. It is. I actually uh, think it's almost as good as the original. Yeah. Goldfinger is catapulted into a European tour with beloved acts of the era like Mist, the Bloodhound Gang,
1: and Eve Six. After the tour, Charlie Poulson, which is the guitar player, the really distinctive one in the band with like the bald head and the very vaguely like, horror-y look, leaves the band to, from what I figure, try for an acting career, which will mostly be like small roles in TV shows. He is replaced by the unloco guitar player, Brian Arthur, which is playing on this record, but also will eventually leave the band. Okay, wait. Yeah? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah? You didn't tell me
2: almost all of his TV appearances were on FX in the 2000s. We discussed it last time we talked about this. He was in The Shield, I think. The Shield, Wanted, Justified? That's a string. Wow. Even if it's one episode each. Yeah, let's say
1: that his acting career didn't really take off. No, but that's still decent, solid uh, places. 99 Red Balloon will also feature in Our Lips Are Sealed, Not Another Thin Movie, and Eurotrip.
2: <sighs> Did you see... I think I linked it to you. Yes. The video going around that's... Yeah, you know, your favorite movie from the, the 2000s and revisiting it. Yeah. Yeah, um... That's what I worry will happen if I revisit Eurotrip, which I do remember being incredibly funny and, like, that same sort of weird wholesome horny, but also,
1: mm, I don't know that I want to revisit it. I would do a special episode about it, but last time we did a special episode about film, our downloads tanked hard, so I don't know about that. People don't want to listen to us talk about film, apparently. We'll have to give it another try sometime,
2: just to see. Zack Snyder cut episode. I will do a Snyder cut episode with you. Uh, There's a man in that film named Steppenwolf,
1: and that is music related. I love, well, I hate, but I also love how in the Snyder's cut, Steppenwolf gets to look at the camera very sadly about four times in the film, and it's completely and utterly ridiculous. Yes. Anyhow, while this stuff is happening, Mojo Records, the label under which Goldfinger has been under all this time, get sold to Jive Records. Mojo had strict ties to Universal, which helped Goldfinger get some more coverage and some more, you know, distribution. These ties immediately dissolves once they are sold and they are joined with medium-sized indie label Jive. Goldfinger's contract follows the... The merger and is still in motion, which means that overnight basically Goodfinger lost the commercial push and reach that the ties with Universal gave them. In the midst of this, they start recording their next record, Open Your Eyes.
2: will come out in May 2002, produced by Goldfinger's own John Feldman and Kelly Lemieux, the band's bassist. Nobody really spoke about the recording of this album, aside from the fact that this is the first one where Feldman got political with your favorite quote. The last three years I've got into animal rights. I've been a vegetarian for five years, but in the last three years I've really researched and learned a lot about how cruel animals are treated. I don't want to be a preacher. We'll never be Fugazi, but I realize that people will listen if I'm on stage singing about it.
1: Yeah, we should introduce Feldman to the furry community, so maybe they'll turn around on, like, trans rights and shit. Like, see? Trans peoples can be animals, too. Sort of.
2: Or will he just give up on food because someone has a plant sona, and he's
1: like, oh no, what have I done? (laughs) Uh... Sadly, by 2003, Ska's whole pop thing is dead. No one gives a shit about Sky in 2003. I'm sorry, I like Ska. No one gives a shit about Sky in
2: 2003.
1: Yeah. So this will be the last Goldfinger record that will even come close to charting. It pops up on Billboard 200 for a single week, and then it's basically gone forever, no one remembers this record, no one cares, and... yeah. So, we can talk about this record, and after we talk about the record, uh, we, as always, as with all of the last times we encounter a band, we can talk about what happened, everything that happened after this record. Because I hate myself, and I had to research this, and Goldfinger is a very boring band. (laughs) This is not a Phoenix TX situation where everything that happens after their last charting record is super fucking interesting. This is so boring. And I had to listen to all of their new records. You did not have to do that last part. My integrity as a music journalist, I cannot even say it with a straight face, but uh, says that I need to do all of this shit for the sake of pop, Punk historianism. I see. We are a serious podcast, Flash. We are preserving the history of pop punk forever in the public memory. If we don't do this, no one will.
2: Maybe no one should. (laughs) We never stop to ask ourselves if we should after we realize that we could.
1: This is genuinely one of those episodes that makes me think, why did I start this podcast? There's nothing interesting about this shit. (laughs) Anyhow, shall we talk about this 17-track's 30 minutes record? Let's do it. Let's go home.
2: I want to talk about the cover to this album, which is a dude who looks like he's smelling a fart all over a bunch of ad copy placed on a wall. Open your eyes on one of the worst band logos I have seen since the 90s.
1: Yeah, it doesn't look like something that like a middle size label produced. It looks very cheap. It looks like a notebook doodle.
2: That somebody got all the way up there and because of the transition between companies, just no eyes were on this, so it slipped through.
1: Yeah. But yeah, Going Home, the prequel to Gone Home, thanks, I'll be here all week. I have a Gone Home tote bag. It's a song. It's a decent to okay little punk song, it's like less than two minutes, so I don't have much to say about it. It it starts the album fairly well. It has energy doesn't really go anywhere, but it's like a less than two-minute song. It doesn't need to go anywhere. Again, this is 30 minutes for 17 tracks. I will not have a lot to say about all of the tracks. This is fine. It's a good start. Starts with a bang. Actually, one of the best on the record, I think. A good opening
2: is exactly where I came from on this. Because, yeah, it's a burst of energy to get me attentive
1: and then doesn't overstay its welcome. And we move to Spokesman, the next song, which probably will have more to say about.
0: Don't wanna rest, I don't wanna breathe. Well I wanna hear about life. Don't wanna hear a spokesman. I don't wanna test, I want you believe. The goddamn singer. To integrity i don't see it on mtv all i see is choreography and i'll never be a dancer what happened to
2: oh yeah this one's this one's real bad because it turns out that people who have just been in a major video game and gotten their biggest spike in popularity ever do not get to talk about how Now all the music is selling out and it's like spokesmen putting things out, not lyrics written by the singer.
1: Yeah, but you see, Fletch, they will never dance in their music videos because dancing is bad for some reason.
2: (laughs) Also, whatever happened to puberty, bad skin and insecurity, and who the fuck is Felicity? Okay, if you have to call out the actual stuff that teens are watching instead of listening to
1: your music as you age you have failed you are no longer hip also this criticism comes from a band which most of their catalog is like relationship songs so I don't know what the fuck you're talking about that's what you are doing dude like you're here's the thing and I hate this shit like, You're not, like, Goldfinger. I'm gonna talk directly to you. Mr. Goldfinger. Mr. What was the name of the villain in Bond? Arno Goldfinger? Arlo Goldfinger? Arlo. Mr. Arlo. (laughs) You're not... You mentioned this in your interview. You're not Fugazi. (laughs) You're not some counterculture niche band that's trying to push forward the medium of music or the medium of punk rock. You're a ska band who got big during the ska music trend thing. And then the music industry spat you out because ska was relevant for like two years. I get that it hurts. I get that it sucks that you had two years of being fairly on the up rise, you know, fame-wise. And then they sold your label to fucking Jive. But... You don't get to talk shit about everyone else because of this.
2: Ellie, I just had a terrible thought that I have to share with you now. Okay. They say they're not Fugazi. What if they tried going in an art rock direction? What if one of their successive records after this was Goldfinger, You Black Emperor?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I would be in for that. I'm always in for weird terms. So, yeah. Yeah.
2: Maybe that's what they needed, but they seem to have just reinvented themselves as hip dads. So, I guess there's
1: that. All of their records are the same, which is not bad. I would mark that. I don't think they ever made, like, a horrible record. Like, this is not horrible. This is unremarkable. But, yeah, everything they did after Stomping Ground is sort of unremarkable. And even Stomping Ground wasn't great. Just in general, if you want to listen to Goldfinger, listen to Hang-Up. Hang-Ups? Hang-Ups. Which is the record with Superman on it, and it's just like... It's a solid little ska-pop record. Stomping Ground it's fine. Everything after that is just like, do you want more of this? Because it is more of this, it's just not as memorable and not as catchy, but it, it's sort of unremarkable, but if you're into the genre... If you're a fan of the genre, a CGN will say, um, yeah, I guess. Uh, musically, Spokesman is flimsy. I don't like it that much. The verse is really basic, and the chorus is, as a lot of the choruses are, really below average for, Goldf- for Goldfinger. Like, the last record had a lot of really catchy choruses. This record, not quite. They're a bit simpler, there's a lot less melodic quirks on the choruses, aside from a couple of them, and yeah, they're structurally all of the songs are way shorter than usual, which means they don't even play a lot with that. Again, it's not unpleasant, but it's sort of flimsy, especially in this song. So I want to I just talk about
2: a thing I've noticed, and this ep- record is a great way to illustrate it. A band that started out light and fuzzy will only go political when one of two things happens. A, they think they've reached a point where they can talk about something like that. They have a fan base, they feel safe, or the world is in such a weird place, etc. That inspires one thing. That's how you get an American idiot or whatever. I think Open Your Eyes is their songwriter ran out of anything else to talk about. So he's like, you know, I've been feeling more political lately because he just needed anything to widen that shallow pool of lyrics.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think in the pop-punk space, we're going to get a lot more of that. Is this worse than American Idiot, politically?
0: Um...
2: Well, I don't recall casual use of slurs on American Idiot. Yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to it in ages. Don't quote me if it turns out I'm wrong there, but...
1: Yeah, I don't, I know, I don't think, you know, I don't like Green Day. I think they're cool. I think they're cool that way, they're not. Yeah, I do not expect them to do that. Yeah. I think
2: the guy with the greaser name probably has some weird 50s stuff in him, but otherwise...
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh the next song is the title track Open Your Eyes Shall We Open Our Eyes <sighs> Anti-capitalism, anti-capitalism, in the most mildest way, in the most mildest way. Wake up, sheeple. Open your eyes, sheeple.
2: The the hilarious thing is that uh, apparently this is supposed to be about animal rights, but he doesn't ever give anything more concrete than a shot to the head so you are fed. Everything else is just talking about ads are bad and... It's like, oh, this this message really did not come through.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's against ads, which I guess. That's why I was asking about Green Day, because this is Green Day level of political thought. <laughs> it's just like, ads bad. Green Day did go a little hard. Again, I will point out
2: the cops are bad on warning. Some of the stuff that's anti uh, the terror alert system. Just starting to get towards that. We've been down a slightly harder road with Green Day than we got on this. My dude is trying to be a, villi- a militant vegan, and he's not even coming as hard as the Simpsons episode with I won't even eat anything that casts a shadow.
1: Uh, yeah, I didn't realize this song was supposed to be about animal rights. That just sounded like a very milk-toasted capitalism bad song, which capitalism is bad, but you need more teeth. Like, you fucking hell, listen to the Suicide Machines. They're great. I'm sorry that the only record we had to review of the Suicide Machine was the really bad one, because they're good. They have good political messages and good, like, hardcore music. And you should be listening to the first two and the last, the latest record of the Suicide Machines. They're a great band
2: two final thoughts on this a apparently i wrote this down as open your rise while i was writing the notes so good on me past self i really was paying attention to this one and uh he's screaming and going all in he sounds like he's getting mauled but the lyrics do not back up the rage
1: hmm Yeah, I don't know, this is very bad. It has the grimy guitars, the dark muted verse, and then it explodes with the grimy guitars. And it's like, it all sounds very bad in a way that I would enjoy, but the chorus sort of doesn't work. And like, this song specifically feels like Feldman doesn't really know yet. I don't know if it will get into more bad stuff in his production work later. But this does feel... No, he he does the song about the butt stuff later. Fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it feels like he doesn't really know how to produce this kind of butt grimy music because you need a wall of sound when you're being butt and like the wall of sound is not there. This again feels... The production feels as flimsy as a pop band song and it shouldn't be on this specific song. We've listened to way better bat music in this podcast. It's true. Remember when Jimmy Atwood went bat? That was a great song.
2: Yeah, it was one of my favorite tracks on the album, I told you.
1: Uh, yeah. Open your eyes. Or not. Keep them closed. It's just... The, the front cover goes harder than this track does. Well, that front cover surely was a... Decision? Are we going with this as our transition?
2: We could just say sad boy screamo time, because that's what I think of this
1: song. Oh, this is not Screamo. Sad Boy Screamo. No, this is Pop Punk 101. This is a song that whenever I'm
2: looking at the lyrics, I can only read it in a country twang.
1: Uh, come on, flat country cover of this. You need to, to do it. Honestly, this would be much more interesting. So you made your decision. Guess it's you I'll be missing. But yeah, this is the most pop punky song so far. It's very Blink. It's especially very Newfound Glory. It doesn't have the harsh instrumentation that Newfound Glory tends to have. But the pre-chorus reminds me specifically of the pre-chorus on My Friend Over You. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, this is, again, this is like a 5 out of 10 pop-punk song. It's just like... It's fine if you listened to the whole of the Blink catalog and the Newfound Glory catalog and you just want another song, you can listen to this one. It's not bad, but it's not... I'm not gonna... You know, I'm not gonna be like, you know, they have great. It's fine. This
2: is what a Pandora station would have recommended you after you started with Blink and you ran out of skips and then it has to start pulling other lesser tracks. Does Pandora still exist? Yes. Pandora is owned by Sirius XM, so that says a lot about the lane it decided to go into. I don't know what that is. Oh, that's satellite radio. I don't know the cultural implication of that. When's the last time you were listening to actual over-the-air radio?
1: Um, not using the internet? Yeah. Oh. Ten years at
2: least? Ellie, Sirius XM is where Howard Stern's show moved to. Okay. How does that throw you for a time capsule of relevance?
1: Again, you're talking about things that don't have that much cultural relevance for me. Gotcha. I'm sorry. It's okay. I I don't know how much
2: further I could take you down. Satellite radio is a shrinking market because it is the radio from the airwaves, but you pay for it. Oh. Yeah, it's subscription only. How does it still exist? Uh, It does less and less each year. How did it ever exist? Well, once upon a time, they thought that it was basically going to be like the cable of radio, because with the FCC cracking down... Thanks, Clinton. We have to do something about this.
1: Yeah, you cannot play "Punk Punk on normal radio. Yeah. But we're not there yet. We're, we're a Decision. Yeah, do you have anything to say about Decision? This is three minutes. This is a weird choice for this song to be three minutes, but it's fine. Nope.
2: It's the okay. next one is a weird choice to be three minutes, cause now we have to talk about
0: dad. If I don't say this now, I'm gonna be sorry. Don't wanna make the same mistake again.
1: Yeah, this is a song asking for Dark Armed Dragon to be brought to 3. Here's a joke for, like, anyone who plays Yu-Gi-Oh!, which doesn't include me. I just got this through osmosis by watching YouTubes about it. It turns out, if it was gone, we would miss
2: it because our life points would be a disgrace.
1: Yeah, but I don't have... What is this song, Fletch? Talk to us about this song. So
2: this is a track that's very clearly aiming for emotions because, and I did not find a story about this, but I can read between the lines and say one of two things happened. A, my dude's father tried to reconnect with him later in life because he's now a big pop star, and he's just like, oh, dad, no, it's too late. I grew up. You're, you're way too late for this or it's just i had a bad childhood with my father and i don't want him dead but like i also don't want him in my foyer or at thanksgiving no dad's at easter
1: it's a weird mixed feeling song that's going for emotion and it's uh i don't know it didn't give me any emotions (laughs)
2: It's aiming for emotion. They clearly think they're very deep on this record. But this is just barely three minutes. And that's with a long butt rock breakdown in the middle that underwhelms the
1: entire song's tone. The whole song has this very, you know, emotional talking to you song, almost like a story song. It's very soft, very measured, very minimalist. And then they just get butt on the bridge. And I don't know why I don't know what series of decision led to this whole song.
2: My dudes think that they're doing November Rain, but they're actually just doing well, we're gonna get to the track that The,
1: the funny thing is that later they will make fun of new metal with a specific track and like you're doing a lot of new metal things, and ironically, on this record, with how butt and grimy some of the songs get. This is
2: definitely where I started to really go from. Oh, this is, this is perfectly all right, serviceable. It's another Goldfinger album, too. Oh God, what are you doing, Goldfinger? Yeah, I mean, it's seventeen tracks, but multiple are under a minute. Yeah. All right, let's go on to Tell Me.
0: Tell me what it's like to be with you. Remind me of the things we used to do. And tell me that this time will never end. Tell me what it's like, tell me again. Every time you stay.
1: Tell me why, ain't nothing. Ain't looking but for I'm Goldfinger. goldfinger. <laughs> Sorry. The tragedy of that. I don't know, I probably talked about this already. The tragedy of that era of boy bands is that I like how people are like sort of like rediscovering them if you read on Twitter and shit, because a lot of those singles are really good, but those albums stink. Like, the singles were really good and everything else on the album were filler and was really bad and, like, really weirdly produced and really clearly rushed out, which annoys me. So many of them
2: came through, these same producers who were just trying to make generic pablum for teen girls, cycle it out every few years, and keep the train running,
1: possibly with abuse. Yeah, there's that whole documentary... Netflix did, which is not great, but it's interesting. Well, not Netflix. YouTube did uh, documentary.
2: Oh, okay. I thought I remembered seeing one on Netflix, but maybe I'm mixing it up. Because if I'm going to Netflix for documentaries, I'm probably a little high or sleep deprived and just need something. Anything. And I'm all out of ideas.
1: There's a YouTube documentary about the guy that, like, financed, like, Backstreet Boys and and uh, Think. Yeah. And it's not a great documentary. Like, it's like, you know, one of those documentaries that is just like, oh, you you really have an angle and you're really going really hard on, like, pushing that angle, which doesn't, say, doesn't mean that the angle isn't true, but there is clearly a lot of editorializing here, which is... Eh. I'm going to throw it out there. If you want to hear a
2: better take on the story of Lou Pearlman and all that crap, Just go listen to excellent podcast
1: Lie, Cheat, and Steal cover it. Oh, okay. That sounds interesting. I will probably do that.
2: Very good show. It is two comedians who just discuss liars, frauds, and bullshitters in their own words. And their question at the end of every episode is, all right, is this scam, whatever, worth it? Would you do it? Like, how much harm is it? Did you just rip off a rich guy for some wine or... Did you con the entire pharmaceutical industry into thinking that you could make blood magic happen? It's it's fun.
1: Yeah. Uh what song are we talking about?
2: Tell me, which is why I told you about the podcast.
1: All right. Um. No, there's like only two minutes, and it's like this bouncy, really upbeat, vintagey pop song. It's got a very surf rock sound on the guitar. Yeah, and it's also like it's fine for the first ten seconds, and then you just realize this is like two minutes of like one bit of the song. It's like super repetitive, and again, it's not horrible, but it's like uh, no. They think they're really deep at this point on the record, and we need we 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 need some cheering up at this point, right after all this heavy to heavy themes that they treated us to. Um, yeah. when need tell me to cheer us up and tell me doesn't cheer me up it's just vaguely annoying yeah it's only two minutes but it's still vaguely annoying
2: it's one of those things that it feels like a yo-yo relationship song I don't know if it's a breakup song or just you're this person who's constantly in and out of my life but it doesn't really land any of it
1: and it's all to this beat. That sounded like the Psycho theme. God, I
2: wish they could write the Psycho theme.
1: Uh, then we go to Liar, which is like an interstitial. I don't even want to talk about it. It's like 20 seconds. I don't care. Do you care about Liar?
2: Uh, This was the first time on the album that I was just going, why is this not better song with this name by another band? I just started thinking of Henry Rollins. Then I stopped the record and listened to the Henry Rollins track. Okay. And then we go
1: to January. Which is four minutes, and I don't hate it.
2: So, if it wasn't for the breakdown where they read the calendar, <laughs> I would probably be okay with this.
1: I thought I think that's sort of cute. That's very that's very early two thousand. The half wrapped thing on the back half of the colors. Uh, it's very of its time. This is a little, it's a decent little breakup song. They change it up a bit sonically. It has this muted twinkly guitars in the verse, and then it moves into a more pop rock sound in the chorus. And it's not a fine. Like, it's not a standard breakup song number 325, but it's fine. Like, has some backing vocals, giving it a bit of, like, dynamicity. The dynamicness whatever that word is there's this half-wrapped thing on the back half of the chorus that's really dumb and like sort of very 2000 and sort of endearing and it's good like this is murder lane this is not them trying to be political this is not them trying to be deep this is them being like my girlfriend left me I'm sad but now I'm not sad anymore and you're just like yeah sure Sure.
2: Despite me coming out swinging at it, I will say third best track on the record. Okay. This is basically just reminding me, I think I'm a little harsher to it because it reminds me of that Joseph Gordon-Levitt movie that does not hold up 500 Days of Summer. It's doing the very same thing with the time puns and oh yeah, everything's going down. Not our worst breakup song by a mile. Hell, not even the worst breakup song on this album. Yeah. Um, if you just cut out that real nonsense chunk with the second vocalist, I'd probably be much higher on this. But no, I think this is a—it's a pretty good one. It tries to do some wordplay. It's very inoffensive, and it's just as you said, the right lane for Goldfinger, which is not something I say about a lot of tracks here.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. It's completely fine, it's completely acceptable. One of the best songs on the record, honestly. Which is not saying much, but it's saying something. Yeah. Happy, which has starts with very newfound glory energy, and then it becomes handsome with the toot toot toot.
2: I like whoever wrote out the lyrics to this, because they wrote it as do 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 like a bunch of poop.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> it's really funny, that's all I can see, is just fields of poop every time the chorus comes up.
1: <sighs> yeah, yeah. this starts good and then it's not and it doesn't click for me, <laughs> it's, uh, it's again that thing where it's just like, I don't know, it's a bit lightweight, all of the bits work in theory, but this is another like Goldfinger special where I just end up not caring because this is track like 9 of 17. <laughs> Like, maybe if this had a bit more room to breathe, and it was in a better constructed album, this could impact me more, and I could have more fun with this. But in the middle of this huge thing that's very homogeneous, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't actually know.
2: stopped this track after the first chorus to go listen to the Fisher Spooner song of the same name, because I needed something that had actual meat on its bones. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's no meat on any of these bones.
2: No, just do 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 do. <sighs> right. Let's but, talk about the other. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, I, I guess this is an interstitial.
0: Yeah. It's
2: woodchuck. Yep.
1: Yeah. And it's what happens if you read off the poem about how much wood they chuck. It is a parody, if did this. In the last record, already in Stomping Ground, and it was somehow better in Stomping Ground. It is a parody of new metal, in a record that actually has a lot of bat energy in a lot of places, and ironically, so I don't know what you're parodying here, uh, where they just play really loud new metal music and uh, would a wood chuck chuck wood if a wood chuck would chuck wood thing at the lyrics. And they are growled with very new metal energy. And does anyone care? I don't know. Like, this is supposed to be funny. And I'm just like, no. I'm not even a fan. I'm, like, I am the first person who will laugh her ass off at of new metal. Right? New metal is funny. But when Goldfinger makes fun of new metal, it just be- everything becomes lame. <laughs> everything becomes just like sort of meh <laughs> i don't know if you want to see someone making fun of new metal in a funny way uh, watch the watch the video the bowling for soup video for the girl all the bad guys want who just parodies a bunch of new metal video and they're like that is an actually funny parody of new metal and the song is also decent but yeah this, this is not it that is not it if we you want a parody of new metal. Someone should tell someone should tell Goldfinger that they're not weirdal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I <sighs> It's very weird that we're doing these albums when Goldfinger's had a resurgence during the whole pandemic, just kinda of being like, You're fun, crazy dads who've all got guitars. And It's like, what got you from this point to where you are now? Is it just trying to recapture those glory days? Is it you finally got over yourself? What happens there? So I I look forward to you telling me after we finish this record.
1: Well, mostly like John Feldman, like, worked for about 20 years as a producer behind the scenes, which I imagine mellows you out. That's true. Like, not having the spotlight shown on you all of the time probably is better for your, you know, view of the world and self-image and everything else than just being a rock star for as much as Goldfinger were rock stars.
2: Also, if you get married and have an actual kid, it means you can't write breakup songs every third hour of track.
1: (laughs) That is also fair. (laughs) Yeah. Ah, it's your life. <laughs> Is a Oh,
2: see, you think that, I think talk, talk. But you're living like you haven't got a clue.
0: It's your life, and I realize you're living out your dreams. But the end just might be closer than it seems. <laughs> just what you think
1: you're on the brink of being uh this is goldfinger going emo so if you ever wanted to listen to a sky emo song this is it it's not good i'm gonna google ska emo
2: oh my god the the first thing that it gives me is emo ska from the ska reddit just people like how can this exist <laughs>
1: Is are there any examples? I would listen the shitter of some sky emo. <laughs> that is not this song. Kill Lincoln. Sorry,
2: sweetheart. We are the Union. The Impossibles and Animal Chin are the things that are immediately coming up.
1: Oh, We Are the Union is good. Okay, I like We Are the Union. I I only listened to one song from them because it was like on a Sky Against Racism compilation, which is really good. Should go buy it. Um, and. Yeah, no, they're good. Oh! The further I go into this thread, the worse it
2: gets. Uh, Five Iron Frenzy. Oh, no. Oh. Uh, someone does mention one that I will probably look up. A band from the 80s called The Stars That Wouldn't Shine, who blended ska with goth rock. Oh. Huh. wild suggestion. Okay, no. No. Wow. No, what? I'm closing this angrily as I get to. Has anyone actually listened to Real Big Fish's lyrics? Totally emo. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm done. No, Reddit. No,
1: Reddit broke Fletch. Um, Real
2: Big Fish is emo. Ska. <coughs> God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so the song basically has, like, half of it is, like, sort of, like, lightweight emo with vaguely, you know, twinkly guitars and a melodic, you know, chorus and so on. And then it goes into scabbits with ska rhythms going on. It's sky emo. <laughs> this song feels
2: weirdly pro-suicide or self-destruction from the lyrics? Yeah, I
1: don't know what the lyrics are about.
2: It's definitely got some places. It's your life, and I wouldn't tell you what to do. Well, I realize you're just living out your dreams, but the end just might be closer than it seems.
1: Yeah. Ooh. There's a lot of interpretation to this lyrics, and none of them are really that good.
2: (laughs) You're on the brink of being someone, close to the top, but will you flop? Who's gonna love you if you hate yourself? Maybe not you, because, man, you keep telling me that, like, quit getting, quit looking over that edge, huh? Huh? Sure would hate to see you trip,
1: huh? What the fuck? There's one of the songs, lyrically, that the fact that you cannot really tell what's going on in the lyrics is the only thing that makes it not awful. It's just like, I'm pretty sure if I knew what this was about, I wouldn't agree with you, Goldfinger, but... This has needed a second pass in the writing room energy. But then again, like, Goldfinger is not known as a particularly lyrical band as we've seen in the, in their attempts at politics. Politics. But they just think they're so deep on this album and it <laughs> kills me. Look, we, we we realize when we're on stage we can send a message to the people. This will not imply that the people will understand our message, but we can send it. So bad. Alright, speaking of so bad. Yeah, let's talk about Tank bank. And just for the listener, content warning ahead for the next musical clip, because it does have a transphobic slur in it, which is not great, but we'll talk about it. Out of this place I try
0: to break away from it, escape away from it, make my way right out of this place. But my feet are stuck and my half a fuck is wasted on this machine I- Never coming back to the spank bank of lust. Dazed by curious, just makes me furious. Spank bank of lust. 32 channels, I don't want to see a female fucking.
1: Maybe I do. We're here. Yeah. We're
2: here. (laughs) This is just a sublime B-side.
1: It's the transphobia song, transphobia song, transphobia song. (laughs) But only, only in the last ten seconds. Yeah, I don't know what this... can, Can you explain to me what this song is about?
2: Okay, so... You know that Green Day song about... Uh, You've had too much weed and you're just completely burned out. Yes. And there's the line with masturbation's lost its fun. You're fucking lazy. This is that, but trying to be edgy. And I actually had to look up, wait, have Goldfinger secretly been Christian Ska this whole time because of this track? Because, like, this is straight up just I went to a porno theater And then I feel weird about it, which, okay, cool. Oh, okay. I get that.
1: That's what I was missing, because he was talking about putting coins and things, and I'm like, what are this old man talking about?
2: Yeah, this is straight up. You went to an adult bookstore or something, and you went to one of the little peep booths in the back. He's already spent the money, and he's just feeling like a waste before anything even starts. But he's like, well, I spent the money. I'm already here. And then the chorus happens, and it's like, if it just stopped ten seconds sooner, okay, you've got a weird little punk song.
1: But they didn't. No, they they had to remind us they do not want to watch transphobic slur fucking in their porno theater. Or maybe they do a bit, which is the punchline. Yeah. Now, if we want to get serious for a moment, <laughs> uh, which is not a thing that we do often, but I, uh, you know, this shit, like, it seems innocuous, right? It seems like, okay, fucking girl with dicks, joke, whatever, they did it on the last episode, on the last time we covered it, but fucking 10 to 15 years that this is the only ever mentioned and trans people get in media. I've lived through this time. <laughs> this is the fucking reason why, why I, as a fucking... Like, not this song specifically, but this whole... The only thing that we see in media is fucking trans people as a punchline. It's either prostitutes, or jokes, or jokes about prostitutes. It's always fucking sexualized, and it's always fucking used as a punchline. And you know what? It's shit. It's not just shit because it's, you know, a bad joke. Whatever you can make fun of everything, but this is why so many people, including me, this is my personal experience. Like, for years, you, you think to yourself, well, it's a really bad thing that I'm feeling this thing about my gender, right? Because this is the only view that you have. Like, if you're trans, you're gonna be like a fucking joke and like a sexualized thing. And that is why so many people fucking struggled with this shit for years because this was the only thing you saw in music and TV and whatever you didn't have any examples of like trans people who lived a normal life. This was all that you've seen and you thought you were weird or fucked up or shit for this. This is the reason why I for a lot of time fucking They don't even try to transition, because this is is what you look at. This is the representation that you get. And people get weird about representation. It's, like, probably less important than a lot of people think. But specifically, this stuff is shit, and I hate it. And I probably didn't express myself well, because I'm not an extremely well-spoken person who has, for some reason, I decided to have a podcast, even though I cannot compile a coherent sentence but i hate this i hate this not because it's a shitty joke but because it's a reflection of a culture that personally affected me for like more than a decade fuck you goldfinger for perpetuating this shit i'm done yeah totally understand that feeling Okay, do we have anything to say about this film? Because, like, after my fucking weird rant, uh, I don't know if there's anything else to say about this.
2: I totally get Again, it's just those last couple of seconds take what could have been a little punk song and make it something disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Because <sighs> the whole thing up to this... Totally makes sense. It's like, oh God, I'm in a weird place and I'm thinking maybe cranking it off will fix that, but it it didn't. And now I just feel even more weird, but we're here now and I can't undo
1: this. And then they threw out that last bit. Yeah, but then we need to use uh, trans people as a signifier for weird and icky shit. Blech. Yeah, it's so infuriating because...
2: This is the closest. I don't hate 99% of it. And I almost would have put it in as like, yeah, it has very sublime B-side energy, but in a way that's like, yeah, you just had a thought on your mind and you didn't overstay your welcome. And then you kept going. That's what makes me so mad about that this close let's get out of here onto track 13 youth in
0: my life been all the places Uh,
1: what is this again?
2: Uh, Pop Punk Murder Confessions, volume
1: 302. Now <laughs> yeah, this is the one where they sing really softly, and it's sort of unbearable, and they have a clean guitar tone going bam, pam bam. And then they don't, and this is the song. It's two minutes. I don't care. This is probably the closest we get to soft
2: boy emo on this record. Uh, doesn't make it good. But it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Open Your Eyes is a Goldfinger record that thinks it's breaking new ground and also doesn't know what it wants to be in any way. It doesn't know which ground it's breaking. It's just breaking all of the ground. <laughs> this album is Goldfinger swinging a shovel and occasionally it takes a chip out of something and it's like, New ground! <laughs> that was my vase.
1: New ground! Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Uh, Yeah, this is not a great song. This is not a horrible song, I just don't have anything to say about it. The only distinctive feature is that it's sort of soft at the beginning. And it's not... Goldfinger is not a band who's been built to do soft. They cannot do soft.
2: Also, this dude does not get to talk about how he's maturing and growing up. Yeah... Do you think, do you think this track is a love song to one of their wives? Because that would be really funny.
1: I I don't haven't I haven't looked at the lyrics for this.
2: Uh, I don't know anything. But I notice you're still here. I don't want anything. Well, that's a lie because I want you here with me.
1: Uh, uh, that's pretty cheesy. Yeah, that's pretty cheesy. Like, and I like cheesy, but this is not. <laughs> this is like. Uh this
2: is the durian of cheeses
1: yeah the portrait of durian gray is that a joke? no? ooh no that's probably a thing you can do anyhow let's talk about spirit of the radio
2: wish this was that Rush song or the one that I stopped this track in the middle to listen to, which was Felix to House Cat's Radio.
1: <laughs> no, I stopped this to listen to Spirit of the Radio because that's the best song about radio ever. Yeah, it is pretty up there. Really, it's just that solo that
2: really kicks it up a notch. Yeah,
1: I like radio. This is like sort of one of the best of the record. It's a beat. It doesn't have anything horrible going on. It has the rhythmic cutting going on, but it's not too pushed. The chorus is fun, it's actually one of the catchiest on the record. And you know, radio appreciation song. They're nice. Yeah, not... This was my this was my number one track. Like I don't even have to say I, I don't even have a lot to say about it because this is just like a nice catchy song. But this record actually unlike a lot of other Goldfinger records, this doesn't even have that many like catchy, pleasant songs, like this has a lot of them trying weird shit and the weird shit doesn't work and this is like, this is comfortable this is Goldfinger, this is what Goldfinger does, and they still, they're still they still okay at doing it. Radio is a fun song.
2: This is a very chill lady gets mad at her partner, goes out, just drives the highway blaring music and cools off. Yeah, I get that.
1: Gay for radio. It's pretty sick. Let's go to Fuck Ted Nugent. Yeah! Yeah!
0: Fuck Ted Nugent. He-
1: Second favorite song on the album. Uh, apparently this song has a verse about Jennifer Lopez, which in the original version was about Farrah Fawcett. Huh? Th- this is a trivia about this song. Uh, It was definitely in the version I heard. Which one of the two? Oh, J-Lo. Oh, yeah. The original version of this song, not on the record, on the EP in which it first appeared, has a verse about Farrah Fawcett. Oh, got it. Instead of a Jennifer Lopez. Which, by the way, like... You know... It's not okay to call people fat. Like, especially when they're clearly not... Like, Jennifer Lopez in the, like, fucking... 2002 was... Objectively not overweight. Here's
2: the... Here's the wild thing. This track is just straight up, hey... Uh... It starts out really strong, actually. I love fuck Ted Nugent. He's a fucking jerk. I wish that he's be, he'd be gone. Chauvinist Republican kills animals, forgot how to write a song. That's a good string of assault on the guy. Yeah. And the second one is like, okay, fuck him. Fuck his gun nut buddies. He thinks riding a buffalo and wearing Oakley's will make him look real cool. Really good lines. And then just... For no reason. There's this j verse. And it's like, she eats meat. She, and I don't know if this was ever a thing. Maybe he did some research. I didn't. She thinks it's cool to wear eyelashes of dead foxes. Because she thinks it hides the pounds? You took a hard
1: left here, buddy. Yeah. I don't know. I... You know, disclosure, I am, I'm not, you know, I'm not against animal rights. I'm just, that is not a thing that I'm super interested or passionate about. So just like, eh, don't kill people fat. I'm a vegetarian and I think he's being a dick. Yeah, one is being a dick. And two it's just, Jennifer Lopez in the, like, 2002, that's just not factually correct.
2: <laughs> yeah, you do not get to when you are the guy from Goldfinger Slam on a 2002 Jennifer Lopez. Yeah. Like, the fuck? That is punching so far above your weight class, it's like trying to piss out the sun. Ah, uh, but the first the first chunk of the song does just get... It's so good! And then, once again, they ruin something in the back half.
1: Yeah. It's, that's a gold finger for you.
2: Yep. I see mentioned that there's a track 16 called The Upper Hand. I didn't see it nope. on my copy of the it, album.
1: It, it was a bonus track. Genius got this wrong. Uh, this, is, this is an information that only Genius has, but this was a bonus track, which we didn't listen to. We generally do not listen to bonus track because they vary wildly depending on the release.
2: Yeah, I will only look them up if it's like, hey, they covered a song I like and I just want to hear it.
0: Wingretzky The only man I'd have sex with, Wayne Gretzky I'd be intimate with Wayne Gretzky I think he's kinda sexy, Wayne Gretzky I wonder what he looks like naked
1: But yeah, the last two tracks are Phone Sprankle and Win Gretzky, and I feel we can discuss this two because these are like funny, haha, tracks, and I don't, I don't think there's anything to go in details. So, do we want to discuss these two things as a whole in general?
2: You can definitely skip prank phone calls because prank phone calls is just what if we played you the audio from a cranky anchor skit except there were no comedians in the
1: room. Yeah, and it goes on for a while. It it's like. It's longer than some actual songs. It's like 2 minutes 13, the prank phone call. Did you wanted to listen to 2 minutes of uh, Goldfinger making prank phone calls? I didn't.
2: The only people I will listen to do prank calls on a record are Mike
1: Jones and the Beastie Boys. Yeah. That's it. I-, I hate prank phone calls. I don't find them funny. I'm only giving those
2: two exceptions because I've heard and laughed at their stuff and I don't play those tracks when I'm out listening to the music. I just listen to them when they first came out.
1: That's fair. And then we also have Wing Gretzky, which is an acoustic song about ha-ha gay. It's a ballad about wanting to fuck
2: a Canadian hockey legend. And even weirder, it's not... The standard vocalist, it's Darren who probably wrote this based on the lyrics and is singing it. It's very odd, especially after everything else that has happened on this track. And it's really weirdly (laughs) in-depth
1: while still being G-rated. Well, this record did have a parental advisory sticker on it, so you know. Well, they do say fuck over two times. Goldfinger would say fuck. Don't
2: let Goldfinger say fuck. Anyhow, Wayne Gretzky is a weird close for this album. Yep. Well, I don't know if it's that weird. This is the Dan of the record. If it wasn't a ballad, I'd probably rank this one higher. Because as it went on, I did start laughing.
1: Okay. (laughs) Like,
2: (laughs) Darren Pfeiffer, Stupid American Boy... Wayne Gretzky, very handsome Canadian man. <laughs> what is happening here? Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> it,
2: it leans so far into absurdity that I can't hate it.
1: I don't know. It's not necessarily my humor, but I get what you'll find in it. But yeah, this, is, this, is, this closes the record.
2: And with that, we're, we're done opening our eyes.
1: Quick final thought, uh, this record is fine, I don't hate it, I don't love it, most of the songs are really weird, but they're not terrible. This is probably one of the weirdest records Goldfinger ever did, there are a lot of songs that I would not classify in the style of Goldfinger. And yet, it is not that interesting. Goldfinger has a specific way of writing music that is very flimsy unoffensive, aside from that one thing, and just mildly pleasant unless you really want to go analyze it track by track. This record is nothing. Two out of five.
2: I would definitely say two out of five. It's not so boring that we had nothing to say about it. I had fun clowning on parts of this. I got very mad at parts of this. But other than that, yeah, no, it's um, it's not the worst we've covered, it's not good, it's not, I'm going to listen to this again, but
1: I will also not caution you to stay away from it. Anywho, this is the last time we'll ever meet Goldfinger in this podcast, well, we'll ever talk about Goldfinger in this podcast, so... That's not true and you know it. <laughs> I'm just saying... It's time for our favorite segment, what happened after this record and where are they now?
2: Well, in this case, the Jive acquisition by Sony is going to lead to Goldfinger being dropped by Mojo Records sometime around 2003. They will end up on the Maverick label and publish Disconnection Notice.
1: If you're asking, this is the same Maverick label who was founded by Madonna to publish her erotica coffee table-sized book. Which, having read that, having read that when it was new... It was definitely
2: a conversation starter.
1: Okay. okay. This connection notice is a bit more pop than their other releases and leans way less in the punk as a whole. Breakup record feel lyrically, like uh, three quarters of the songs are about cry, my uh, GF left me. That's not great. That's not bad. It's not great. In the mid two thousand Feldman producing an A&R gig will go in full swing. By this time, he's pretty much a full-time producer and executive, which slows down the Goldfinger's releases, as they are not his main career anymore. Hello Destiny is the last Goldfinger record in a long while in 2007, published by indie label Side One Dummy. They will continue to play occasional shows with a rotating cast of musicians. People will sort of come and go from Goldfinger, given that it's not a active project at this point. Uh eventually even reintroducing Charles Polson, the guitar player, the bold guy, for a couple of dates.
2: What I'm gathering is that Goldfinger has one of the most sad, slow-decline careers, getting kicked further and further down the record label chain each time.
1: Yes, they will change label at every release earth and they will get more and more indie as it goes. Yikes. In
2: 2015, Feldman states that while there might still be an occasional tour, there will no longer be a Goldfinger that does things like release new records anymore. In 2017, the band reunites to release a new record called The Knife. No, not that The Knife. This is the disappointing one. 2020 sees a return of Lurch, a.k.a. Charlie Paulson, to the band, with a series of quarantine videos that we've discussed a few times, where the band plays nice, socially distanced versions of their most popular songs from home studios. Eventually, this leads to another new record with the resurgence in interest in them. Never look back, which we shouldn't have. Anyhow, nowadays, they um seem to be doing pretty okay for themselves. One of them is actually kind of attractive. So we can firmly say, knowing that this will not damage their careers, fuck 'em. them.
1: Yeah. Well, the ESA band have some... You know, Goldfinger's a band has somewhat had a revival with the quarantine videos and shit, but Feldman continues being, like, a music producer, basically, and executive. He has a hand in Blink-182's new material and many other things. I think he's currently working with Avril Lavigne, which… oh god, please save us from that. That collaboration from hell. He also continues being a very vocal animal rights activist. I don't think a guy who wrote
2: this album could not be a vocal animal rights activist. That's
1: fair. 2022, J.K. Rowling states on Twitter that Goldfinger was Harry Potter's favorite band, and he would always listen to Spank Bank to pump himself up before each game of Wizard Ball.
2: (laughs) I did not scroll down enough to see that note. So good on you for pulling that one out on me.
1: But yeah, this is a goldfinger. We've we've talked about everything that there is to talk about this incredibly boring band. <laughs> they never released a really terrible album. I think the closest that they get is The Knife, which leans way too much on the sky and reggae elements that I don't think they can pull off, really. But I don't know. Hang Up is a good record. Everything after Hang Up is not super worth listening, but it exists and it's overall fine. I feel that we're a lot harsher on this record because we had to go track by track for 17 tracks, but this is not even terrible. They are consistent in making sort of like okay, decent, fun, forgettable music. And yeah, they sort of have this pop edge that sort of holds them down, to be honest, like... Straight up punk, at least, has some degree of aggression. Goldfinger is sort of flimsy. It doesn't even have that aggression. So it's sort of, again, very forgettable. They don't even have, like, an interesting history, aside from Charles Paulson disappearing for, like, ten years to go to do FX TV shows. Hmm.
2: Good on him. Get those residuals, man.
1: Yeah, again, the most successful member of the band is Feldman, who basically got himself like a desk job as a producer and executive, so good on him. Uh, for what it's worth, nothing past Open Your Eyes has any transphobic shit in it, so whatcha I gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is it. This is this band. Where, where are the bands that we completed? Where are the bands that we 100% in platinum? We should rank them at the end of every of this thing.
2: Let's yeah, let's uh do that as we get through the years. Like, let's rack up more than two first. Well, we have zebrahead.
1: We have Phoenix TX. Yeah. I think we're done with Lit. Nope. Still one other on record of Lit, and we have Goldfinger. So I think Zebrahead is the best among these three. I'm gonna go Zebrahead, Goldfinger, Phoenix TX.
2: Yeah, I have to give you that one, because
1: Zebrahead is far and away the best. Zebrahead, like, had rap in it that was really bad, but also, like, they did a Sonic theme, and it's interesting to hear rap in punk. I'm gonna give it to Zebrahead. They were fun. Zebrahead definitely gets that.
2: And then, yeah, Phoenix TX kind of bottoms out because... Because it's
1: Phoenix TX. Uh,
2: yeah. Well... Goldfinger is more consistently there. Phoenix TX is a void.
1: Yeah. As yes, here are official, <laughs> gotta get out of the town chart. <laughs> the and Goldfinger Phoenix TX, the three-pop punk band.
2: Well, good news. Next week, we get another wild card, and they have a very brief album. So let's find out how we feel about Midtown with Living Well is the Best Revenge.
1: I really hope Midtown is interesting, because I'm starting to lose faith in this podcast after this episode. <laughs> Same song. different chorus. It's
0: stupid, contagious to be broken, famous. Can someone save us from Pop, Pop
1: So, this was the episode. I apologize for getting too real-world politics and issues on that one song. This is not what I want this podcast to be, but sometimes these bands get me angry. Literally
2: aimed directly at all of us.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find us at getoutofthistown.com. You can mail us at getoutofthistownpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can add us on Twitter at g-g-o-o-t-t-podcast. Sometimes we're the one doing the cancelling, sometimes we're the one being cancelled. It's me. Just say it's me. I'm the one who speaks off. (laughs) Um, You can find us on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, and everywhere podcasts are available. You can rate and review us. Please do it. No one ever does it. I know that there is at least, like, two people listening to us or whatever. We also have about 200 listeners from fucking Virginia, because fireside metrics fucked up this week so <laughs> hello the entire population of virginia who works at amazon uh, glad you're here i'm pretty sure you're bots but if not um uh, hello we'll take it uh and yeah next up is midtown and do you have anything to plug fletch you
2: can find me at hellscaper.com, which is freshly revamped if
1: the artist is finished by the time this episode comes out. And you can find me at ACC the Moon on Twitter. And uh, we do not have a Patreon, but, I don't know, go donate to some fucking trans charity organization. I don't have a joke this week. Do something good with your money. Have a good day, everyone.
2: Here, I'll put it in SNL format. Call your
1: senators
2: and demand that they do something for the trans people and that they know about the lesbian characters in Sailor Moon.
1: They don't know! <laughs> they don't know! Well, that's that's because they changed it for the US version. They're not cousins! They're not cousins. <laughs> yeah, that would be awkward. Uh... Uh, good night, everyone.
2: See
0: ya. on your mind? Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight. Like a pop bucket. Get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep your image down. Let's terrify.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, that was probably one of the worst jokes I've ever done on this show.